One, two, three, four, get my shoes and out the door. Five, I'm alive. Six, seven, eight, feeling great. Nine, gonna shine, life is good. I'm doing fine. Ten, gonna do it right and do it again, yeah. I look into the sky with all the beautiful color, but there's more than just for me, so gonna share it with another. I got to show to give, let out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lingerie Lowdown podcast. This is Mina. I'm really excited today because I have uh, one of my favorite designers uh, with me here today. Uh, that's Sophia Luzone. Um, and uh, we're going to just be kind of talking a little bit about her background and, as well as her brand. Um, but to start off, I just wanted to give a little bit of an introduction of how um, I found Sophia and her her brand, which was on Instagram. So when I was first uh, starting out my Instagram account, um, within short order, I found Sophia's uh kind of brand new it was mostly brand new right yes yeah I, was... I think I didn't even have my shop open at yeah. that time <laughs> yeah I think I, I um, was one of her uh, first followers um, definitely not the first but um, one of them and I pretty much fell in love with um, her aesthetic immediately and uh, as soon as I was able to I ordered um, the Eros uh, set from her, which uh, I think was one of your first sets, correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, from my first collection. And yep. it was the first set I sold. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, uh, definitely, I remember receiving that package and opening it up and being so excited um, by the quality and the obvious care uh, that Sophia took in making the garment, as well as shipping it to me. And then finally, the most exciting part of all was that I had these tags that had the number one on them. And so I knew <laughs> that I had the first of a collection, and that was probably one of my high points um, in lingerie uh, collecting. So that's a little bit of a background um, on uh, Sophia and, and my relationship. And it's I've been lucky enough to order many, well, not many, but a few sets. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and I've always been excited to receive them. Um, so uh, without further ado, I wanted to first start out. Um, with asking, when did you first become interested in lingerie? So I think it was about uh, five years ago, more or less. <laughs> when I was in, in Barcelona, I was studying a master's degree and I had uh, more free time than usual. <laughs> so I started reading a lot of blogs and fashion blogs. And at some point, I think I ended up in the lingerie attic blog. Oh, and nice. yes, <laughs> that was the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, been the beginning for a lot of people, is that, yeah. uh, that blog. Um, what were you getting your master's degree in? It was in. It was a bit strange. In um, it was called comparative studies between art, uh, philosophy, and literature. Ooh, nice. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. I I think I remember talking to you when once we first started chatting, and um, we were kind of shocked to both realize that we had a similar academic um, background, uh, where I I also uh, studied. Um, art history and how do you feel like that's kind of informed or influenced the way that you design? 
I think that the, it mostly has informed my inspirations that the places where I go for and my aesthetic too, because I I love uh, art obviously, or <laughs> paintings and especially the pre Raphaelite uh, style. So I like this, like not uh, like literally the, the colors or the, because my collections uh, aren't really that uh, literally inspired by them, mm-hmm. but it's more like the mood they have, like some like whimsical and whimsical and all this background that's always uh, rooted in some kind of legend and myths. Mm-hmm. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I. So there's a few things there that I love. So first of all, I don't know if um. I don't know if we've talked about this, but uh, when I was an undergrad, I did my honors degree. I, I wrote my honors thesis on uh, pre-Raphaelite art. Actually. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, yeah, so that probably explains why I love your mood of your uh, design so much as I, I find common inspiration in, in those images. I also really find them uh, inspiring. Um, and then, yes, I've always noticed that you name uh, your sets with very kind of mythical and powerfully, Im- like it feels powerful when I look at your collections and the names. So that's uh, that's great. Well, um, kind of going back to your first, uh, you know, like lingerie experiences, do you remember the first set of lingerie that you yourself fell in love with? Um, do you, do you kind of remember that moment? I think it was uh, on Pinterest. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I think it was um, uh, AP, Anna Ten Provocateur set. Uh, I think it was called Gloria. Okay. And, yes, I think it's um, this one with the, um, a quarter cup and then an embroidered uh, tool overlay. And oh, it was yeah. super beautiful and it looked like nothing I have ever seen because in... Like in Spain, the, there aren't many lingerie brands in Spain, and the, the ones that, uh, like, there are mainly two that I can think of, and they sell only like t shirt brands. Now they are starting yeah. to shift a little, but uh, at that time there were all foam brass and t shirt brass and mm-hmm. like very boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and to see something like it looked very impractical, but also very beautiful, like just like a work of art almost. Yeah. So I remember like going on Pinterest and saying, oh, that, where did it come from? And looking yeah. and like uh, doing the image, like the image didn't have uh, like uh, ancient provocateur or anything on it. So I had to zoom in and see the tag in the. <laughs> so <laughs> you were then... figuring yeah, out. And then I discovered the brand and then I was like, oh my God, this thing exists. And it was uh, a shock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a, a lot of, um, that's another brand, I, I think I'm unusual in that uh, for some reason in my lingerie journey, I somehow skipped Agent Provocateur. I feel like a lot of um, women who get really into lingerie, one of their first kind of like mind blown experiences around beautiful lingerie is Agent Provocateur. And um I somehow skipped that train. So I, I, <laughs> I didn't really get introduced to them until later. And um, because I already knew so many beautiful and gorgeous brands by that point, my mind wasn't blown the same way that I know. Like, it, so it was just, it's um, really interesting to hear that that's your journey to, to a 
beautiful lingerie. Um, I think one of my uh, one of my kind of aha moments with beautiful lingerie um, was actually um, wheat. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but it's H U I T. And then um, there was also um, uh, a few other brands that just started to introduce me to like beauty with comfort. And then I started kind of realizing that there was like a whole other world that I hadn't seen where lingerie takes care of the person who's wearing it um, and makes them feel beautiful. Uh, so that that's, it's so special. Well, I love that story. Um, and then kind of, I know we're, we're uh, flip-flopping around here a little bit, but um, kind of going back to your, to your question, your answer about like um, how, your art has your love of art has informed um, your your style and brand. How do you go about finding inspiration? Like what what makes each collection unique or um, different to you? I like um, it's um, it's one of my collections. Like kind of has a different uh, process. Usually, I start. Um, either with a, a story in mind or with an image in mind. Like for the first collection, it was more like the story. Like I wanted to do a collection that was based on the on Greek myths, on Greek um, goddesses and like deities. And so I first got the story and then I looked for inspiration image. Like usually from pictures, photographies, uh, art, whatever on Pinterest. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Pinterest. And, uh, usually, and 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 that um, that collection was also a bit different from the other because I got the fabrics first. So I after that I, it was like the other way around. I got the idea first, and then I tried to find a fabric that more or less like has the same uh, feeling to it. But with that first one, I went to see like a fabric showroom or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I picked out uh, almost all the fabrics. And like I had the like more of a loose idea of what I wanted to do. And then when I saw the fabric, like everything came together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, when you are doing your inspiration, do you often find that you're like printing pictures out or do you use Pinterest as kind of your style boards? How do you, how do you have that communication with your inspiration? Pinterest. Pinterest <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have like, uh, I don't know, like too many boards on Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Um, I need to get a little bit more into Pinterest when I was uh, doing my um, MFA in women's fashion. I, needed to print everything out. I was a very physical, like I needed the physicality of my uh, inspiration. But I think that um, Pinterest is probably a better way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's dangerous because you click on one image and it suggests you like other similar images and then it's like a rabbit hole and it's endless. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, well, what part of, um, now that I know that you love the inspiration part, which I do too, um, what part of lingerie, of making lingerie is actually the most difficult for you? The most difficult, I think, like maybe not difficult, difficult, but uh, 
doing the, the my pieces that have the applique on them, like the lace applique. Oh, yeah. This is very time consuming. <laughs> like yeah. very like in in some pieces like the the Mahella uh, French sneakers, okay. uh, the applique itself takes longer than to make everything else. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it's a bit like once once I have the the piece complete, I start making the applique, and it's like okay, like now I'm starting to make this piece. Like yes. before it was like the introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have a lot of pieces with a lot of care, and you're working with fabrics that are both beautiful but that are notoriously challenging to work with, um, especially those buttery. Uh, silks that you yes. that you choose that are just gorgeous. Um, did it take you a long time to figure out how to um, like successfully work with those fabrics? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the first things I noticed was um, that I needed a better machine, a better sewing machine, mm -hmm. because I started making lingerie for myself uh, some years before uh, I started like as a business <laughs> and maybe like two or three years before that and I wanted to make things out of silk but then I bought the silk and my machine was like it did that disaster <laughs> yeah. and I thought like okay this is not going to work so when I decided that I wanted to try and start my own brand I invested in a like a very good machine <laughs> and that helped a lot and also a lot of like, putting out of pins in every seam and mm -hmm. taking my time and don't rush anything because with silk sometimes if you you are sewing a seam and you like kind of screw up and you have to rip it out the stitches like are uh, marked in the fabric so it's better to do things slowly and not having to arrange things later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely know that silk is not a very forgiving uh, fabric when it comes to mistakes. It kind of seems to hold those memories of those mistakes and kind of throw it back in your face yeah. a little bit when you're done, which is never, which is never great and never a great feeling. Um, so uh, I taking your time, I think, for any aspiring um, sewers out there, taking your time with silk, I think, is a great piece of advice. Um, for me, and I don't know if you found this as well, I also needed to make sure that my needles were always really yes. sharp. Because yes, I use uh, the Microtex needles that are okay. like the sharpest of all. <laughs> yes, okay, that makes sense. Because otherwise it seems like the needles almost puncture holes um, instead of sew, they like puncture and it, uh, it, it can cause tears. So that's another... Uh, thing that I noticed, at least with my limited exposure <laughs> to silk, so uh, sewing silk. Um, well, thank you for describing that process. And applique does seem like it requires a lot of patience and care. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts when uh -huh. I'm doing that. So <laughs> that right. when I've, I've made that part that used to be a bit boring. Now it's very interesting because I'm learning about a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, nice. What are some of your favorite podcasts that you listen to while making your lingerie? Oh, I I like to listen to a sewing podcast that's called Love to Sew because oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like it seems a bit uh, too much 
sewing stuff, but, <laughs> but I like that. And That's it's nice. super fun. I like the two girls that are doing the podcast. They are so fun. I, I love it. And I also listen to uh, the American Duchess podcast okay. and uh, Dressed, I think it's called. Like okay. It's about fashion history. And okay. now, now I'm... I am re-watching a TV show that's called The Magicians, and I'm listening to a podcast that is about the show. So, oh, yes. <laughs> it's like a full experience. Yes. Oh, oh, that's great. I um, did that too when I I reread the Harry Potter books uh, last uh-huh. year, and I was listening to about uh, a podcast about the Harry Potter books. And oh it gosh, was I, very fun. <laughs> yeah, I've never considered cross media um, doing things like that. So I'm, next time I read a, a really popular or watch a really popular show or read a pretty popular book, I'm going to have to check and see if there's any podcasts about it because that's yeah. a great idea. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really that. recommend that. Yeah, it enhances your experience and understanding. Yeah, I also and love you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also love that you are obviously so um, involved in kind of the fashion and sewing and um, um, kind of just field and that, that it's obviously such an in, interest, a big interest in you and what you do, um, that you're even listening to podcasts about it. I, <laughs> I definitely need to check out those podcasts because I didn't know that they were, they even existed. So they're, they're on my list now. That's great. Um, uh, and then I had kind of asked you what part was the most difficult in making lingerie, but on the flip side, uh, what part of making lingerie or running your business do you feel like is the most rewarding um that's a two-part question like <laughs> yeah uh, <business> lingerie. <laughs> yes <laughs> the literal making lingerie part uh, i think that the most gratifying part is when i'm sewing the bra caps into the cradle because that's the point when you see oh that's a bra it's very like ah I'm not only like matching pieces together and no now it looks like something Uh, I like that feeling yeah and uh, about running my business I think the best part is uh, is when people get in touch with me and they say oh I received my packet and it's beautiful and like I really like when they think when they say um your lingerie made me feel like special or beautiful i really like that because it's what what i want to do like to make people feel a bit special a bit like uh, all this uh, all this background i put into my collection is also because i want people to feel a bit like magical or yes powerful i don't know <laughs> Yeah, well, I do feel like lingerie and especially your lingerie has the ability to make people feel special and powerful and beautiful because it's so obvious that you're taking care in what you're making. And um, I know that when I put on my sets, I pretty much immediately feel like some cross between like a, like a, a, you know, 
like lounging beauty with like also like you know maybe a slight almost princess vibe but not really and then also like oh but maybe I should go on to uh be like a goddess or a nymph or something so I think you're you're doing it exactly uh you're doing it exactly right and I'm sure it is very gratifying to get those messages that say like hey this is making me feel wonderful I also think that my customers are the best people. <laughs> I'm not biased. I'm not biased at all, but they are like the best people. <laughs> well, as one of your customers, I think I have to agree that we're we <laughs> uh, that your lingerie brand attracts uh, people who really love, you know, the beauty. But I will say that one of the things that I like about your your brand is that it's also very wearable. So it's really beautiful, but I wear your sets to work and I wear your sets out and I wear your sets on the weekend. And it's, it's not, I don't have to take special care in dressing a very certain way in order to accommodate your sets because they, even though they're so beautiful and so lovely and special, they're still really usable. And I think that that is not all brands are able to do that. (laughs) That makes me really happy to hear. <laughs> good, good. Um, well, kind of talking about like how easy they are to wear. Um, I've always kind of wondered about sizing. I feel like in clothes, especially sizing is all over the place. You can get sizes in one brand and go to another brand and the size feels totally different. In lingerie, there does seem to be a little bit more unity, but you can still definitely vary sizes across brands. Sometimes, you know, with some significance. So I'm wondering, how did you choose your sizing? And um, like, is, is there an industry, <clears throat> excuse me, is there an industry standard? Or did you, like, how did you come up with your size structure? It was a lot of research. <laughs> there is, uh, well, there isn't an industry standard, but there are like several industry standards. <laughs> Like ah. the Spanish brands uh, have like uh, special sizing and like the French brands have uh, other kind of sizing and the UK brands have another kind of sizing. So I, before I decided what size system I should use, I, I looked at a lot of size charts and a lot of mm-hmm. books and online. And I also, I, I went to some stores and tried on a lot of brands nice. <laughs> to see like, the, oh, like I kind of like had a feeling of oh, the French brands tend to run larger on the band, for example, and the uh, UK brands, uh, usually they run tighter around the band and this kind of thing. So my sizing, I... On the, at the end, I decided to do my sensing more similar to the UK and US brands mm-hmm. because uh, the Spanish sizing is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I cannot find a Spanish bra that fits. <laughs> okay. It's so difficult. So, I, I figured out that the, the one that the system that uh, was like more consistent and uh, like it correlated in a more logical way to my measurements uh, to people's measurements in general it was like the UK system so I used that 
And uh, I also, I use some friends as a fit model. Well, as mm. fit models. Yeah. And I use myself too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I ended up having uh, like a consistent sizing. And I try to, like in every collection, I try to be like, no, I, I don't want to create a collection that maybe uses a more uh, like a stretchier lace and then people will think oh I got in the last collection I got um, 32D so in this collection I'm going to get the same and then it was too big yeah I, I try to use like that all my of my collections have more or less the same sizing system at the same uh, stretch in the fabric so it, uh, it it doesn't disappoint you <laughs> when it arrives I guess yeah, no, I had never really thought about sizing with stretch, um, but I think that uh, keeping the same type of stretch throughout your collection to keep sizing consistent is a like, that's a great idea and something that I had never considered. So that's, re that's really fun to hear. And I, um, I can tell that sizing is a challenge. I kind of felt that it probably was. So uh, my suspicions are confirmed. Using yes. <laughs> sizing is difficult. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, we talked about it briefly before, but you use, and kind of like with the stretch that you're talking about, but you pick and use beautiful and high quality fabric. Um, what about fabric is important to you? Mm, it's a mix about the usually like the feeling I got when I like I have to I, I have to touch everything. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm this annoying person who goes to a shop and instead of looking oh there's a a shirt and no I have to touch that shirt. <laughs> yeah. So I do the same with fabrics. Uh, like when I I'm like maybe. They send me uh, samples, or I go to a fabric show or whatever. I have to touch everything. Yeah, <laughs> and it's okay. like the feeling I got, and also like uh, the aesthetics of it. Like with lace, I have to like the pattern of the the lace, the flowers, uh, the colors, everything like that. But with uh, with satin, it's it's all like the the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have fond memories of going to department stores during my uh, MFA and like touching all of the, the fabric. <laughs> and yes. my friend and I were like, we're kind of being creepy, but we still want to feel all the fabric <laughs> and figure out what, you know, why brands are using the fabric that they do. So it's been so lovely talking with Sophia this week, and we're going to continue this conversation uh, next week as we ask Sophia how uh, the recent pandemic has affected her business and uh, what she's done um, with her business uh, during this time of COVID-19. Until next time.